This is episode 303, The Importance of Speaking Your Needs in All Aspects of Your Life with Shelley. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the show, everyone. I love this episode because it focuses on a very, very, very important yet often really difficult aspect of relationships, any relationship really, which is our ability and willingness and shall we even say confidence to speak our needs. I want you just to think about your relationships for a moment, from your romantic relationships, past or present, to your friendships, to your work relationships, and really consider, are you vocalizing your needs? Are you speaking up for yourself? Do you even know what your needs are? Here's some indicators that you may not know what your needs are or be vocalizing them or be getting them met. You feel frustrated in relationships. You feel anxiety. You lack clarity. You don't know where you stand. You feel like a doormat at times. You feel confused about the relationship. You notice yourself getting irritable or passive aggressive or frustrated either in that relationship or in other relationships in your life. You see yourself contorting into a pretzel or a chameleon or a people pleaser because you're so afraid of losing the person or upsetting them or ending the relationship that you internalize things. I know that many of you can relate to at least one of those things. Needs are not a weak thing to have. I've talked about this on the show before. It's natural and normal for human beings to have needs. And our needs extend beyond things like oxygen, food, water. We need human connection and we need certain things in a relationship. And it is not needy to speak your needs. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you codependent. Actually, there's kind of more of a likelihood for falling into codependent patterns if you aren't really clear about your needs and articulating them in the relationship. I trust you're really going to enjoy my call with Shelly as we talk about how she's really great about articulating needs in some aspects of her life out of necessity, but when it comes to matters of the heart, that's where she really suffocates herself. As you're listening to this call, consider all the things I mentioned before. Are you silencing yourself in relationship? Are you getting your needs met? Do you even know what your needs are? Are you so afraid to articulate them for fear of judgment or loss or rejection? Are you good at speaking up in some aspects of your life, but not so great at speaking up in other aspects of your life? And I want to tell you a quick story before we go into this episode, because I really empathize with all of you who have trouble speaking up. It's something that I have worked on for many, many years, and there's still moments when I don't. And the cost of not speaking up is dramatic because I go into a lot of regret, a lot of self-criticism, a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda, a lot of, oh my gosh, I wish I had a time machine and I could go back to that situation and speak up. So 
A little while ago, I was being interviewed for something, and most of the people being interviewed were more medical experts, and I was talking more about the emotional aspects to things. And I'm not as you know quick on my feet or in my mind when I've got a really bad headache. So I'm there, and I'm really pouring my heart out about my journey, things that have happened in my life, sharing some really deep things. And I'm in the interview and one of the producers jumps in and in a very, I would say, hmm, arrogant, for lack of a better word, tone, tells me none of the things I'm saying are relevant. Emotions don't at all connect to our body and hormones and all these kinds of things and just kind of goes at me. And it felt humiliating. I felt totally like the rug was pulled out from under me. And there was a part of me, and I encourage you to go back last week and listen to the episode where I talked about the different parts of us, there was a part of me that really wanted to step into, you jerk, like this is totally relevant. And let me explain how, how can you not see this? And you not seeing it's relevant is is part of the problem. Like there's a direct connection between emotions and trauma and physical symptoms. But then there was this other part of me that got triggered. The scared little girl, really the adolescent who learned how to cope with people coming at her by just acquiescing, by just, okay, let me blend, let me apologize, let me do whatever I need to do to manage the situation. So I've talked to you all about trauma responses or, and, or just trigger responses if we don't even want to use the word trauma. We go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. I went into fawning. I went into what do I need to do to appease, whereas really... The need I had in that situation was to speak up for myself, but because the trigger was so big, I had a hard time overcoming that and really being like, hey, let me just tell you how it is, or just actually gotten up and said, you know, I don't think this is a fit and and left. And I know many of you can relate to this. You've been in those situations where, oh, you just wanted to speak up for yourself, but something in you stopped you. And the only way to get over these things and to shift it is to work with the trigger that came up. So I went home, my inner critic was just going off. Why didn't I, why didn't I speak up? And I found myself getting mad at myself instead of actually directing my anger at the situation, blaming myself rather than going, wow, that was really a crappy thing to say to someone who's pouring their heart out. And I had to work with that part of me, that younger part of me that was so scared to speak up and update her and say, hey, we're not 12 anymore. We're a grown woman. And if someone doesn't like us, that's okay. We have resources. We have friends. We have a nice husband. We have our tools. We have this incredible coach that lives inside named Christine. Like we can do this. And I really had to update that part. And I'm sure Sometime in the future, there will be another opportunity for me to speak up when I felt like I'm not really getting my needs met and I'm not getting supported and someone is, for lack of a better word, overpowering me. And so if you've been in a similar situation or like Shelly, she's in kind of a situation like this in relationships where she doesn't know where she stands, her needs aren't really being met, she kind of feels like she's being played. If you can relate to my story or her story, I want you to know it's okay if it's hard for you. It's okay if you're not like one of the people in the movies who can drop these awesome Beyonce type, 
one-liners when someone messes with us. Like, don't we wish we could all be that cool when someone, you know, Fs with us, we can be like, just put them in their place. (laughs) But it's hard when we're triggered and we've got a child or an adolescent there who really doesn't know how to respond. and, And we tend to go into freezing or fawning, a lot of us. Just know that the more you practice, the more you know your needs, the more you meet your needs inside of yourself, this gets a lot easier. And I can say for myself, there are rare instances where something like what happened in this interview has happened. I think having a headache really impaired my ability to be really present and to speak my needs because I was already feeling physically so off. However, it was a great learning opportunity. And I look at all these things as as soon as I can quiet that inner critic, I look at all these things as these beautiful growth opportunities and learning opportunities. So I share all this with you to say to you, I know this is not easy. I know that the speaking up, honor your truth, have your boundaries, if only it was that easy, right? However, just because it's challenging and just because we don't always do it doesn't mean it's not important and doesn't mean we can't ever do it. It just takes the awareness, the commitment, and the practice. And today's episode where I coach Shelly hopefully will give you some insight, some encouragement, and some advice for really, really standing in your ability to speak your needs and get them met. And on to my coaching call with Shelly. Shelly, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thank you so much for having me. A little bit of a background. I have cerebral palsy. I, I was born two months in my door and I use a walker to walk and it doesn't stop me from anything. Mm. I do 5Ks. I, it's my goal to run the Boston Marathon. I actually oh, live cool. in Boston. So, but in terms of dating is where I struggle a little bit. Mm. It's very hard for me to convey to somebody, especially online, when I tell them I use a walker, they automatically get turned off or they ask silly questions. And then I get people have questions. It's not every day that you meet somebody that uses a walker. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to kind of ask you throughout my dating experience, there have been many, many, many times where I've been ghosted. Mm. And it started, I had a first real boyfriend in college and I had gone away on spring break, and when I came back, he had another girlfriend Mm. and blocked me on all social media and was just randomly done, no closure, no nothing. Mm. So I think that led to some real abandonment issues. Sure. And I would like to think it wasn't about the walker, but I don't know. I mean, didn't seem to be he was dating me, but it's hard not to go back to that, you know? Yeah. And, and blame it on that. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So now when I talk to people and, and I know in my head that, you know, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is I get so afraid they're going to leave. Sure. And, sure. you know, I know it's online. So basically people online are disposable. I hate to put it that way, but yeah. And then, like right now I've been talking to somebody for eight months. And we've been texting and FaceTiming and whatever. And we haven't gotten together because of the pandemic. And our parents have some health issues. So, mm-hmm. But now with things opening up, he seems to be more distant. And when I ask about getting together, he'll say, oh, yeah, I just I have to figure it out. 
Mm. So my mind automatically goes to, oh, no, he's leaving. Yeah. And before the boyfriend in college, did you have any abandonment things? Did you have fear of people leaving or people dying, be it friends, your parents, anything like that? Or did it really start with the college boyfriend? No, it really started with him, and I never got any closure from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried to move on, obviously. It was... I'm 30 now, so it was a million years ago. It feels like a million years ago. And I've dated in the meantime and stuff like that, but it's right. never been a serious relationship. It's never gone past a couple dates. Yeah. And then they just leave. And you mentioned closure a couple times. What do you think closure would do for you? What does closure mean to you, and what do you think it would do for you? When people are honest and they say either... I'm not feeling this, or I met somebody else. I mean, it happens. People meet other people. I'm able to move on so much faster because Mm -hmm. I know, like, okay. Whereas I think not knowing makes me feel worse. Mm -hmm. And then I automatically go back to that default of, oh, no, it's probably the walker and because I'm different and whatever. And, Mm -hmm. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you was I wanted to kind of be an advocate for other people with disabilities that may be dating yeah. And maybe they're having similar problems, but it's really bad when I don't hear from, his name is Dan. When I don't hear from Dan, I get like, so that I cry and I get mm-hmm. all anxious and I'm like, oh no, he's gone too. And he mm-hmm. may not necessarily be gone. He may just be busy. And mm-hmm. like my, in my head, I know this, mm-hmm. but I just get you such anxiety. It. And obvi- yeah. obviously I don't convey this to him because I look like a psycho, but. Well, um, <laughs> well, hold on. Let me just, let me just pause you there. And. I love that you're sharing so vulnerably. I love that you want to be an advocate for other people with disabilities. And I want you to know that right here, right now, I'm here for you. And part of what I think is part of your healing journey is to really know what it feels like to be seen, what it feels like to be accepted, and what it feels like to feel like somebody's really there for you and with you. And I want to ask, I'm going to come back to what I was about to say but I want to ask you a question unrelated to dating. What have been the gifts of this disability in terms of what has it developed in you that you're really grateful for? I'm able to articulate my needs. And even though I have a walker and and it doesn't affect my speech, it just affects my balance a little bit. I'm able to drive a regular car, which I'm so lucky I was able to get my license with all the other kids. I think it's made me stronger in terms of putting myself out there as far as I don't know any different I was born with cerebral palsy Mm -hmm. so from the time I was a kid I had a walker so yep to me it's just part of me yep yeah it's part of your your, this human experience for you so you said something really key I'm able to articulate my needs and I want to ask you does that really apply in relationship for example with this guy you're dating are you really honestly and openly speaking your needs No. Okay. Because I'm afraid if I do, then he'll leave. Right. So here you have this amazing gift that this disability has come with, the ability to articulate your needs. And I imagine that that gift has gotten you far in life. It's it. You've been able to handle situations. You've been able to get around because you're able to advocate for yourself. I even went out to LA and interned on the doctor's show in college. 
by myself. How cool is that? Yep. And you were able to tell people like, I need this. These are the adjustments I need. These are the physical conditions I need. And you're an incredible advocate for yourself. But when it comes to dating, it's like this beautiful gift you have goes out the trash because this one dude in college didn't have the balls to tell you the truth. So right now, that guy, whoever he is from 12 years ago, maybe more, is holding on to a lot of your power. Right. And I can totally see that. Yeah. And do you want to take it back? Of course. So how you take it back is you stop making me speaking my needs in relationship is going to lead to them leaving. Because what you said before, what closure would do for you is honesty. You'd rather have the truth than uncertainty. There's enough right. in your life that you're uncertain about and you have to navigate. You know, moving through the world with this disability is something I will never be able to fully understand. It's only something that you can understand. And there's a lot of a compromise and adjustment that you've had to make. So further compromising one of your core values, which is truth and honesty in dating and in a relationship is really dishonoring yourself. And so I understand that fear of rejection. I understand. Yeah. I understand wanting to, not wanting to get hurt, but know that it's really, how old were you when the dude in college ghosted you? 18, 19? 23. I was a senior. That 22 year old, 23 year old. That's who's stuck. It's like you're stuck in that age in dating. You can't be your 30 year old confident, able to speak your needs self because you may have a physical disability, but in terms of an emotional, mental, relational ability, you have that. You have that. And it's almost like you've disabled yourself emotionally and relationally because this one guy did something shitty. And I'm not at all downplaying the hurt. I've been ghosted many times. At least, I can think of at least three off the top of my head. And if I thought about it more, I'm sure there'd be more. And it is an awful feeling. You wonder what you did wrong. You want a time machine to go back and do something differently. You bounce between being angry at them and ashamed of yourself. Like it's a whole head trip. I get that. The overthinking is just crazy. Like I just need to turn my brain off. Yes. Yes. So here's how you combat that. You've got to just break down. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. Because that's just part of not being able to let it go. Well, yes. And it hurts. It hurts because what I also get from you, Shelly, is you love big. (laughs) You have a really beautiful open heart. And, you know, you wanted to be here in human form. You came two months early. Like you were so excited (laughs) to get here. You know, you wanted this human experience. And when you feel like someone isn't meeting you in that and isn't respecting your heart, especially when you're opening and trusting and letting them see parts of you that the rest of the world may not see, it feels absolutely devastating to feel trampled on, to feel disrespected, to feel abandoned. It, I feel all of that. And so what my intention is, is to try to help you prevent it more rather than recover from it, right? Because we can both agree that, you know, men ghosting you is never going to feel good. 
It's just going to hurt. And so I'd rather help you with prevention than recovery. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So that's that we're going back to when I asked you the gifts of being disabled, you said able to articulate my needs. That was the first thing out of your mouth. First thing. So you can do this. It's just starting to do it in relationship. Since that guy in college ghosted you, there's a belief that you may have formed that goes something like this. I just need to be whatever they need me to be so they don't leave. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And in that, that's a lot of self-sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. Because you're not really being you. So let's take this situation with this guy you're talking to now. If you are able and willing to fully articulate your needs, what would you say to him? Well, that's a good question. Um, But I feel like he's, I mean, I know COVID was terrible and no one could go anywhere, so I don't blame him for that. But now that everything's opening up again, and we've been talking for eight months, I'd really like to meet him. Okay. Great. And no, like in terms of, I don't even know where he is in terms of a relationship. He doesn't, I don't know how to explain it to you. Like, how do you talk to someone constantly, which we do, and not know where they fall? Right. I mean, he works a lot, so he might not even want a relationship, but I feel like I should probably know that after this much time. Yes. But you've been walking on eggshells because you're so afraid of what happened in college and what's happened since then in the past, it's sort of like, and I'm not at all saying that guys ghosting you is your fault, but things we tend to fear, we recreate we, we until we learn how to shift them. And well, even now, if I don't hear from him, I'm, I freak out and I'm like, oh no, he left. And cause yeah. usually he'll text me every day and call me or something. Yeah. I usually hear like once a day at least. And if I don't, I assume he's out with someone else. It's terrible. Right. <laughs> right. It's torture. It's torture. Yeah. So, I would encourage you to have a clarifying conversation with him. A lot of us don't like confrontation and we confuse confronting conversations with clarifying conversations. So I'm not saying have a confrontation with him. I'm saying have a clarification conversation with him and just say, look, Dan, I really liked you. I really like you. I really like getting to know you. And I just have a couple questions. One, are you interested in pursuing a relationship romantically. And if so, I'd really like to meet you. And if not, just tell me because I don't want to waste my time. I like that. Simple, not blaming him, not victim-y, just like getting clarification. Just like you were, okay, so if you were going, let's say you were coming to stay with me for a week, would there need to be some physical things in my house to be taken care of so that you could get around easier? Um, a couple things. A couple things. So you and I would probably need to have a clarifying conversation about that, wouldn't we? Right. And would you be terrified to have that conversation with me or would it just be like, this is what I need to do to take care of myself? No, because, well, first of all, you'd be a friend if I was coming to stay with you. So I'd feel comfortable just explaining that. But I don't know why it feels so different to me with... I know what you're trying to get at, but yeah. it just... It feels different because there's a attachment to a former wound. And what I'm wanting to help you attach it to is like needs are needs. 
Needs are needs. And I want you not to compartmentalize relationship needs as this big, scary request that's going to get me ghosted. So if he says no, then I guess. Then you're clear. Then move on. Then you grieve it and you move on, but you don't have to have all this anxiety and what if, and you don't have to waste your time on this guy. You can move. And now that things are opening, you can, you know, you're an active person. You can have meetup. You can be more out there. And I feel like that's really how you're going to meet someone when you're just out in your life doing things that you love. And the other thing that's hard too is meeting someone in person. It's not hard, but meeting someone in person for the first time when they see the walker and stuff, once they get to know me, they seem to be okay. But when, I don't know, it's, it's definitely a different thing and I, and I get it, but so I I get so nervous for that initial like greeting. (laughs) I hear you, Shelly. I I do. And I just want to put it out there as a possibility that you could meet someone not online. You could meet someone out in your life so that the Walker situation is just handled from the beginning. They just know. (laughs) They just know. And that's, that's possible. Like that's possible. I think that your self-confidence took such a hit because of this dude in college. I want to call him something worse than a dude, but I'm controlling (laughs) myself. Um, And one thing that I would suggest you do is after we get off the phone or tonight, write a letter to him that you're never going to mail about how you're taking your power back and how you realize you've been giving him way too much power. And that's been affecting your dating life, your self-confidence, everything. And that one of your superpowers is being able to articulate your needs and that you're going to start doing that in all aspects of your life, because that's one of the ways that you love yourself. That's one of the ways you care for yourself. And that's one of the ways that we decrease anxiety, our anxiety and our attachment style wounding and all of that gets way more activated when needs aren't met. Because if you have anxious attachment style at all, it got formed because certain needs weren't met. And this guy in college triggered and activated that. So how you heal that within yourself is you become way better at speaking your truth, being honest, saying your needs up front and being like, look, I understand I have a walker. This, this is part of the package. Are you cool with it or not? And if you're not, it's going to be way better if you tell me now than later. Are you interested in a relationship or are you interested in work? Okay. Not a relationship. I get it. I am. So we're not a match. Best of luck to you. Yeah. Do you want to meet? You seem to keep putting it off. It's important to me. I don't really want to have a text relationship with someone. You don't want to meet? Okay, great. Best of luck. It puts you in the driver's seat, Shelly, instead of sitting in the back seat w- wondering what direction it's going to go. So I don't, I don't think it's going to go anywhere anymore. It's been this long. <laughs> well, I mean, not just That's with what him. That's my heart is telling me. Yeah, not, not just with him, with anyone. And, and if your heart is telling you that, then I encourage you to be an advocate for yourself and speak up and clarify. And if it's not going anywhere, then, then you get to block somebody. You get to end <laughs> the relationship. You get to be in the driver's seat. Other people ask me such stupid questions and I... I understand that, like I said, but some of them are like so caught up in the fact that I even have the walker. So I want to, so you'll be proud of me. This one other one, I was like, okay, this seems like you're caught up in this and you know, I can't help the way that I am. So see you later. Good for you. And, um, good for you to start being more like that. Well, that's more who you are. Yeah. The, The other part of you is somebody that's stuck at 23 
heartbroken by some guy that didn't have the courage to tell the truth. I mean, how weak is that? People that ghost people are weak. And any listener, if you've ever ghosted someone, you can forgive yourself, but you can also admit that it was a weak moment (laughs) and that like, it's a really spineless thing to do. So I just, I gotta get over it, but it's just like, well, and cause not everyone's going to leave. That's the thing. This is true. And but. my best recommendation for getting over it is speaking your needs because okay. the more you stifle them, the more you keep giving your power away, the more likely this is to happen because when we don't speak our needs, we feel really, really anxious and we, we don't have power. We're just, we're just handing it all over to the other person, waiting for them to make decisions, waiting for them to determine our worth or our worthiness to be a partner. And I'm having you flip the script instead of waiting for him to make a choice, being like, Hey, this is where I am. Are you here or not? You're not. Okay. Bye. Best of luck. It's been fun texting. Yeah. You can do this. I know you can. (laughs) Nervous. Yeah. I understand. It is nerve wracking because matters of the heart feel really big. And if we can just put the nervousness aside for just a moment, and I just want to talk to the deepest, most authentic part of you and just ask it, does being an advocate for your own needs in relationship feel like an honoring and loving thing to do for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. No one else is going to do it for you. And does it feel like it can help with everything you're asking me about? Definitely. If I can, if I can get there. (laughs) One step at a time. And this guy is good practice. Okay. That's a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Write the letter. You can, you know, think about everything that we talked about. You can even write out what you want to say to Dan or whatever his name is. And just promise, especially the 23-year-old part of you, that you're going to start speaking up. And you're going to start speaking your needs because you deserve that. You really do. Thank you. Thank you, Shelly, so much for sharing something that I know so many people can relate to, (laughs) that fear of really speaking up. And I was so inspired by Shelly, the fact that she is moving through life with a disability. And, you know, I really don't love that word disability because There's so many amazing abilities that come with her diagnosis that she's able to connect into. I don't know what else to call it or say about it, but I really see Shelly using the walker and having cerebral palsy as something that gives her these incredible gifts and other aspects of her life. And that's why I asked her, what has been the gift from this diagnosis? And the first thing she said was, ability to articulate my needs. She also said, it's made me stronger. It's made me put myself out there. So just beautiful gifts. And because of a wound, because of a heartbreak that happened to her in her early twenties, this beautiful gift, this beautiful ability that she's had to develop, in fact, probably overdevelop because she's needed to for physical necessity reasons, has gotten compartmentalized. And it's like she has this incredible superpower, but isn't using it in her own life. You know, and I can relate to this. I have this awesome superpower of compassion and intuition for others, <laughs> but often I don't really use it to the extent that I could in my own life. That's my growth edge. So 
we can all relate to Shelly in some way or another of like these incredible gifts that have come out of challenges, but are we really using them in all aspects of our life? So my coaching to her was, let's use this gift to know and articulate your needs in relationship. And then the dance is really navigating that with the fear of rejection. And just like I shared in my story about the interview, where Shelly is going to need to step into is if, let's say, this guy says, no, I'm not really that into you. I don't want to meet you. Her little girl, her 23-year-old, 22-year-old, whatever it is, is going to get triggered. And that's when she can say, we're going to be okay. We have resources. We're not a college student anymore. We have friends. We have a support system. We have tools. We can handle this if he says no. What we're doing is we're putting ourselves in a place of empowerment. When we give our power away and just wait for someone else to tell us where we stand, it's going to produce anxiety. There's no way around that because it's like you're sitting in the backseat of a car and someone's driving. You don't know where you're going. You can't control the speed limit. You can't control the temperature of the car. You're just sitting there like hoping that it turns out okay. That is an anxiety-ridden place to live. It's a terrible place to be. So to me, I'd rather take the risk of upsetting someone, disappointing someone, being rejected, being judged, being talked about, whatever. I'd rather take that risk over feeling so out of control, feeling uncertainty, feeling all that anxiety. And I had that lived experience in the example I gave you, like how I felt after not really speaking up for myself, not really speaking my needs and what I needed in that interview to feel supported. It was awful. (laughs) It was torture. Whereas if I had, maybe there would have been judgment. Maybe they would have said, hey, we don't want you here. Who knows? But I would have felt like I took care of myself. And that, my friends, is always the better option. We're fooled into believing that someone not rejecting us or someone not judging us is better than what we do to ourselves. For Shelly, she's experiencing so much anxiety. Her life's kind of on hold. At least one part of her life is on hold because of this dude. That to me is way worse than him saying, you know, I'm just not that into you. I just want to move on. And in a way, it could be a block from her really going out and connecting in the world and meeting someone that sees her and accepts her and connects with her without this whole dance of where do I stand? So for Shelly, it's leaning in to this gift of the necessity she's had in her life to articulate her needs. She has some physical limitations that from birth have made her have to tell people what she needs. So this muscle is developed and all we need to do is bring it into relationship so that she doesn't have to fear this massive heartbreak. Because to me, not knowing where you stand in relationship is like pulling off the Band-Aid slowly. It's like this slow, painful rip off the heart. Whereas articulating our needs, having a clarifying conversation, it may be like ripping off the Band-Aid fast, but I'll take that any day over the slow burn. So to Shelly, I see you, I acknowledge you, I admire you. You deserve way more than the uncertainty and the wishy-washiness of the way this guy and past guys have been showing up. You really deserve to stand in your power, 
articulate your needs, say what works for you and what doesn't, and be the one to end things and move on rather than sit in the back seat and just wait for the car to get to some unknown destination. So takeaways for all of you, maybe make a list of all the relationships in your life and look at where certain needs aren't being met and then make yourself accountable to have a clarification. (laughs) These are my needs conversation with that person. And maybe some relationships have reached expiration dates because needs just aren't being met. And it's time for you to move on and make space for relationships that serve you better. Thank you all so much for listening. That's the show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over at Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Bye.